from the verb innovare, which means simply to innovate, to reform, or to change. But what is innovation? It's often tough to define, but we know it when we see it. It's a new idea, creative thoughts, new imaginations, methods, theories, it's bettering ourselves. But we take these actions often out of necessity. So what if we could harness the scrapper mentality, the hustler, the actions of those who are just trying to survive and put it into everyday use? This is my passion project. I've attended some of the world's largest innovation conferences, developed the latest and greatest technology, and produced change within organizations who were built on and preach tradition. Now I'm here to help entrepreneurs and everyday individuals make small changes and establish a new normal through new methods, ideas, and standards to change your life forever. I'm Roy Edwards, and welcome to the Innovari Project. I welcome you to Innovare. Yeah, this is where we innovate. This is the podcast where changes all made. If you're not growing, then you're dying. Innovation is the key to surviving. This is Innovare, where we ain't scared to make that change and create a new way. Uh huh. If you're ready to learn and sit back and just chill, it's about to get real. This is Innovare. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Innovare Podcast. I'm your host, Roy Edwards, and for the next, oh, 45 minutes or so, I'm going to be guiding you through the journey of solopreneurship, either on purpose or by accident. Today we have in Drew Tingley. He, you may have known him or heard that name or seen him on TV recently as he has been on the 19th season of Hell's Kitchen which is a uh, Food Network show hosted by Chef Gordon Ramsay. So Drew has had a journey through the restaurant uh, industry. He was a sous chef at a very young age and has grown into a personal brand. And he has he's, uh, been featured recently on, on, obviously on reality TV shows, but in building that personal brand, he talks about his journey through growing up in a small town and how being in a small town and being around other entrepreneurs helped guide light on a potential personal brand career. And he also grew up in a family that you'll find out of chefs, which also the support system around you plays a major part in entrepreneurship and branding and and following your dreams, which he touches a lot on. And of course, we're going to talk about food. Why wouldn't we talk about – why would I have a chef on and us not break down some wings, some barbecue, some food, some Cuban flair? We, we, we go into all of that. But guys, before we, but first, before we get into that interview, hit the like, hit the subscribe on whatever platform it is that you are listening. If you're here for the first time, welcome, guys. This is the podcast that helps you innovate, change, and level up through 1% Change. We're putting out an ebook. It'll be out this Friday. We drop a, a, I drop solo episodes every Friday. And my, this is my last solo episode in our current series of 1% Change. It goes over agile methodology in a system that I developed called Bricks. Make sure you listen to that. It's about backlog this Friday. And uh, listen to that episode. Download the ebook and start making major changes. Really, it's small changes, but it, it leads to major changes within your life. If you could be as so kind as to write a review, I'd be eternally grateful. Now, food. 
the wonderment of smoked meat on a Traeger grill. Growing up in a small town and just learning about how to throw together a beautiful recipe. We're gonna get into all that right now with my man, Chef Drew. So let's get started. Hailing all the way from Pennsylvania's capital, Drew Tingley here to bring you a taste of something new. 15 years of experience in the culinary world with top chefs, he's won many awards. Chef Drew offers you a professional experience in any way he can. You may have seen him on the newest season, the 19th season of Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. He provides catering, consulting, and private chef services. You can find him at thechefdrew.com. Welcome into the Innovare podcast, Drew Tingley. What is up, my man? How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, dude, I'm pumped to have you on. Like I mentioned, I am a big fan of the Food Network. It's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite things to watch. I'm a terrible chef. I've realized this. <laughs> Thanks to people like you who I watch on TV that I, you guys are like, you know, and then, and, and then out comes this magistry of a sandwich. Meanwhile, I'm not kidding when I say that I burn my ramen noodles. It, it's just something that, so like, before we get into your backstory, cause I want to get into where you come from, but like, what prompted you to become a chef? And I assume it's a, I, I assume that like you weren't just like four or five years old whipping up mac and cheese, or maybe you were, and maybe it's just something you're born with and I'm not. But what is the story of, of Drew the Chef? You know, it's funny that you just said that at the end because that's, that's where it starts. <laughs> right. um, I, was, I was very young and I was always intrigued by food. Food, you know, is love. Food is so I mean, it's delicious. The sensations uh, involved in taste and smell. You know, they can evoke memories. There's just so much that's so involved around food, you know, sharing it with the ones that you love, breaking bread with other people. You know, it's a really awesome thing. So I was always, I was always perplexed by food, and it was a passion of mine. I mean, I still was heavily involved in sports growing up. I, you know, I read a lot of books, comics, video games, but food, just always something that intrigued me. I was always in the kitchen cooking lunch, during your home, wanting to cook desserts, wanting to cook dinner. It just something about food always spoke to me, and I just the ability to take those ingredients and then you have nothing and then you turn them into something that's just a different form of art and you can really share yourself on a plate and that's just all of those things really just drove me into wanting to become a chef and my uncle was a professional chef he graduated from the cia my cousin's a professional chef he graduated from the cia and you have some I mean, food's been a huge part of my family and culture my whole life. Um, wow. Yeah. So it sounds like you grew up around chefs. So when you were growing up and cooking, were you given like recipe books to follow or did you more, cause I, I, I do have a, a couple of friends who are chefs. I, we, we were talking about this before the show and there's drastically different paths that they take. One is like, I had recipes passed down from me from family members and recipe books and like stuff like that. And they follow that path. And the other path is like, I liked the way this tasted. And so I experimented <laughs> with it, you know? And so was there like a particular path that you went down like that, having chefs in the family? Both of those yeah. actually, you know, from recipes to baking, 
of course. And then like there's some recipes that we have in our family that passed down. They've evolved since then, but and then a lot of it was trial and error, you know, just hey, I smell this and I want to see what this does, or this tastes like this. We should put these together and see what happens. You know, it's a lot, a lot of trial and error. You say that you watch us do all these magnificent things, but I'm telling you, we've burnt ramen noodles just as much as you. You just don't know about it. We're fast enough to fix it before you see. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I have started to become a better chef. And it's because of watching people like you on, on TV, which I feel like is a new thing. Um, like, I don't really remember growing up and watching cooking shows. Maybe they were around, but in, in wanting to become a chef, I, we've touched on family members. And so was that your key area of kind of like uh, what inspired you to become a chef or were there outside things that you look to? Because uh, I, like I said, nowadays, I feel like people grow up and they're like, I, I want to be a chef. I see people doing it. My daughter wants to be a chef. And so like I show her I'm like, hey, awesome. look, you know, like she has does like Instagram stories with my wife and being like, she's four. So they're awesome. not real food. But she's the most wonderful chef in the world. You know, she'll be on all the food networks in about a couple months, I'm sure. But you know what I mean? Like she, she, uh, she loves to put on a show and loves food, but she sees people like you who are doing these things where when we were growing up, I don't know if that was necessarily a thing or, or was it, what did you draw your inspiration from? Well, a lot of things really. Um, you know, my mother, my father, they all, food was just so huge in our family. Like it's our family. It's our family creed. You don't have to be hungry to eat. Yeah. You know, we events, everything, we, you know, we do it with, you know, a lot of love. It's, it's just a lot of that inspired me. And then growing up, we did actually watch some uh, cooking shows. It's funny. I grew up watching Hell's Kitchen on Fox. And I remember thinking, I want to be on that show. Maybe I could do that one day. And that was just me when I was like, I don't know, 14, 13, 14 years old. And, you know, you go up and you watch a lot of that stuff too. I mean, the food network evolved and you had a lot of those great chefs on there too. Um, you know, a lot of these other shows are starting to happen a little more, the, the birth of the internet, social media. So now you're having a lot more of these connections that are able to be made. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a beautiful time to be in because the, the wealth of information that now exists from, professional chefs that are out there you can learn so much you can you can go to youtube you can click on you know a two-minute video and you can pretty much learn anything it's yeah. it's a great time to be there but i think that's a lot of what inspired me seeing all of that and just thinking you know i want to go into that career i want to be able to cook all these things i want to learn so much more about other cultures why their food is the way that it is what makes it special what makes it unique you know, that's because you learn a lot about people just in the food they eat. Yeah. Yeah. And so that leads into, so, well, at what point did you realize that it could become a business and more than just like a passion for food? Because I do know people who are, who love to cook, but you know, are accountants or whatever, you know? So at what point in your life where you were like, this is what I want to do for a living? Um, honestly, right out of high school, I got offered a job in a kitchen. I had offers to play football in college. I said, you know what? I want to get this hands-on experience. So I took it thinking that I could then go to culinary school. And that's really when it started sinking into me. And then just working in these professional restaurants and not only working in them, but them progressing and growing. And I was young, you know, and then I'm a sous chef at the age of 20 years old. 
And I realize, you know, there's there's growth here. There's potential. It's not just about the ability to cook. It's the ability to do so much more that makes it special. The ability to manage people, the ability to in, do inventory, the ability to order, ordering, because that's, you know, it's a lot of money that you're playing with. Mm-hmm. And that's all that was all those things, all those variables fascinated me. And I was like, you know, this can be this can be a very lucrative career if I stick to it and I train myself and I study hard and I work my ass off, I could definitely get there. Yeah. Which leads to going out on your own. And so you were a sous chef at a young age. At what point were you like, I want to, I want to do the private chef world. I want to become a solopreneur. I want to become like, go out on my own, take that leap. Well, this real, real leap is just starting to happen for me in, in building this. It's been about a couple of years coming. You know, I work currently for an amazing executive chef where I live and I love working with them. But there are also other areas that I want to evolve my own brand in and taking these ventures because the, the potential is there. You know, not only that, but because of COVID, everything in the restaurant industry has changed. And the dream of brick and mortar isn't necessarily something that could potentially it can be sustainable. And that's something that was very shocking that we learned through COVID. Um, you think that this industry is infallible. It's always going to be there. People always want to eat. People want to they pay for that ambiance. But with the rise of all these private chefs and more and more collective, there's just so much more potential to reach different targets and more and more people are paying for the convenience. You know, it's that convenience of staying in your home, but still achieving that five-star dining experience without actually having to leave is so much more, you know, what's the best word to look for? It's so much more sexy to have people, you know what I mean, to mm-hmm. want to do these things. So seeing all of these things and the way that the world's changing, the market's changing, it's that those are the times where you need to start reevaluating where you're going in your career and how you want to invest your time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like 2020 caused a lot of people to not, I mean, there's a pivot. I feel like is like the word, the overused word of the last uh, year, right? Everybody's pivoting somehow. Pivot. Right. Pivot. Um, yeah. Ross, uh, you know, get Ross pivoting down the steps with his little couch, right? Pivot. Uh, pivot. <laughs> you have to pivot. So, uh, but, but uh, like in reality, the, like we all had to change. That's actually where this podcast, the, in its current form comes from is innovating, right? You have to change it, the only, I always tell my kids this, right? The only constant is change. Things are going to change. You're going to have to evolve. And if you think that you can do the same thing over and over and over and over again, then, you know, uh, it, good luck, you know, you know, <laughs> um, and so coming out of March of, it's almost been a year now, which is crazy. Um, right. coming out of that, it's wild. It is so wild coming out of that in the restaurant industry, you had mentioned that you saw a lot change. And so at what point at COVID did you know, man, I gotta, I gotta pivot to use Ross's word, right? I have to do something here because who knows when the restaurant industry is, is going to go back to popping bottles on a Monday night. You know what I mean? Like who, who knows when that's going to happen again? probably about a couple of months into it when I started realizing that this could become the new normal consistently. 
Um, this could become something that we're going to have to deal with where, Hey, we're going to go back to work for three weeks. And then we're not going to go back to work for three weeks. And you're just going to have to deal with that. And just, you know, like I said, COVID changed everything. And in doing so, realizing that I had this great big secret, you know, Hell's Kitchen was just starting to air. I know that it's amping up. They're sending us emails saying, hey, get ready. Well, we're going to start promoting soon. We're going to start airing soon. I knew that I needed to get behind this while the ball was rolling and strike while the iron's hot. That's just all these things that happened, you know, being on Hell's Kitchen was, was an amazing experience. You know, outside of becoming a father, outside of meeting my fiance is the best experience in my life. And the people that I met, the networking that I now have access to because of it is unbelievable. So with that happening, it just, it only makes sense that you start looking into your own brand. You know, I see my fellow contestants and they're all growing their own brand. They're doing it well. And that's when you need to start thinking to yourself, you know, Hey, you took the chance and you made it. You beat out thousands of other chefs. You stood on that stage with them. They're all growing. It's time to start reevaluating things and seeing what's out there for yourself because there's a market for it. People seem to love you. People love your food. You've won awards Start investing in yourself. Start believing that you can do these things. Yeah. Uh, so what's the process of getting on Hell's Kitchen like? And we're going to get into a couple topics here around that. But the process of going on, I don't know if, you, if you're even allowed to talk about this. So I didn't, okay. didn't pre-vet you to be like, hey, uh, what's the secret to getting on uh, HG, or, uh, Food Network? I almost said HGTV. You can see with the things that I watch, right? Uh, how to make my bathroom more aesthetically pleasing and then how to, how to <laughs> eat in it. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, like, what's that process like? And at what point were you like, I'm going to go after it? You said that when you were little, you wanted to be on it. And I assume that carried through to your career as well. Absolutely. Um, the process is a little nerve wracking. I remember um, a friend of mine had just had his episode of Guys Grocery Games as a rerun air. And I was talking to him. He's a good friend of mine, Jeremy Mathis. And he um, he told me, like, you know, he went out and he did it. And I always thought to myself, you know, he did it. Why can't I? I always had these dreams of wanting to do Hell's Kitchen, you know. And then I talked to a couple of local people and they were saying the same thing, you know, go out there and try it. One of them had tried out for American Idol. And she really was saying, just, you know, invest in yourself, push for it. And I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. And then just so happens a couple of days later on Facebook and a Facebook group that I'm in, um, a chef group, which it's so awesome to see the networking that happens there. I saw a casting call and I said, you know what, yeah, let's go for it. See what happens. So I sent them my stuff and I got an email back and we started exchanging emails and phone numbers and text messages and stuff. And we set up some interviews and, there's a lot to dig in. You have to do a couple of Skype interviews. And then if they like you, then you fly out to Los Angeles. And we spent a weekend there. Yeah, a weekend. Um, and then you just meet a bunch of producers and TV executives. And you're pretty much, you're selling yourself to them. You're trying to explain to them why you make sense out of the thousands of people that they're interviewing. Why you're the one that should be here. And what you bring to the table to be able to become the next executive chef for Chef Gordon Ramsay. So it's it's a lot of a pitch. And then, you know, there's tons of videos that you have to take, tons of pictures. Um, the, the paperwork is never ending. Honestly, at one point, I remember thinking to myself, 
I don't want to keep doing this anymore. Cause this is so like, it was just so overwhelming. And then I said, you know what? No, don't you went this far. They like you push a little further and let's see what happens. And then, you know, you come back from LA and it's just, if we like you, we'll call you. And then that's the, un- oh, man. the uncertainty waiting. Just sit there by the phone, like do something. Call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we had talked about this before the show set in. As an entrepreneur, I believe anybody out there is listening to, even if you're not an entrepreneur, imposter syndrome starts to creep in at certain points where you're like, can I do this? It's that little, some people call it, there's a there's a, an entrepreneur that I that I follow. Uh, his name's Andy Versella. He calls it your bitch voice. You have the bitch voice in the back of your head, right? That creeps in. They're like, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You're not insert whatever here. And when you're when on national stage, like that how much of that and then how much you had just talked about overcoming it to a point but like how did you deal with that and how what kept you motivated what kept you pushing on a lot of motivation lies in my children and my fiance back home um just wanting to and not only them too but just the people that were back home you know i come from a small town and to be on this national stage to be able to have the opportunity to represent was just amazing to have that. It was such a motivating factor. You know, you're out there and you're showing these people, listen, you know, I come from humble beginnings. I went to culinary school, but I never finished. I dropped out because I couldn't do my uh, internship because I worked too many hours as is, you know, full-time college student, working a full-time job as well. There's just, you know, and then I have to work a a third full-time job. It's like, this can't happen. So it's just nice to be able to show to these people and have that motivation to just keep you going forward. Like, hey, you guys want to get here. You can get here. You have to believe in yourself. At some point in time, you have to understand that you got there for a reason. You know, you have to start understanding that you have value. It's not being cocky. And some people might come off as it. It's you have to have the confidence in yourself. Believe in yourself. If you truly believe in yourself, you can get there. And there are some things you can't fake. You can't fake work ethic. You know, you have to put that time in. And if you put that time in, it's possible. Anything's possible. And that was really just what drove me to be on that national stage. Just to show these people that, hey, listen, we're all here. We can all be impactful in in one way or another. If you start believing that you can. Hell yeah. And so being from a small town... So I'm not from a small town. I'll, I'll, I'll say that first. I, I was born in Washington, D.C. And uh, oh, wow. I'm about nine miles south of D.C. Uh, is where I was raised, in uh, right outside of Arlington, Virginia. If, really? Are yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Huh, you're, um, you're right by one of my contestants, Declan, a really awesome guy. Oh, yeah. He's well, also – listen – I could. I think you guys should have a conversation at some point because Declan's a good guy. He's actually growing his own brand, and it's huge. He's launching his barbecue sauce. It's going to be sold in grocery stores all down the eastern seaboard. He's got a private consulting. He's got so much going on. Declan's. <laughs> Declan's. He's an awesome guy. Dad, I love barbecue. So I got a trigger uh, last uh, this spring, uh, right before it was last year. I think it was last year actually. Maybe it was last year. I don't know. I got a trigger, and. Uh, it's my favorite thing on the planet. All of a sudden, I feel like I am like a like a better chef, and I don't know if I'm actually better, but I just like carry myself a little. I'm like, look at this, you know, <laughs> like I got a trigger, like a, throw some hickory wood on it today, you know, like yes, um, So I, I do. I've grown to appreciate barbecue and smoking and 
Um, I was going to ask you this later on in the show, but since barbecue got brought up, which is like one of my favorite things, what is Same your, here. what is that your favorite, your favorite food? Well, one, oh, one of my absolute favorites. Are you kidding me? Just the idea behind barbecue is so incredible because what, like, what, what are you really doing? You're, you're taking the certain woods and you're creating a perfume of smoke that penetrates all of this meat. You know, and then not only that, but then you you're you're doing this low and slow process. You're breaking down muscle tissue, you're breaking down fats, you're breaking down proteins, and you're just creating this super tender, delicious piece of food. It, barbecue is unreal. There's nothing like smoking meat. I'm just there's just there's nothing like it. It's not, there just really isn't. It's my favorite thing to do. As soon as it gets a little bit of warm, and, and it's it's snowing here and, and now uh, we're in February, but I, st- I still fire up the Traeger and not like I would on like a 12, 14 hour type of, uh, you know, smoking of, of something. But I, I anytime that I can get a, a behind the Traeger, anytime that I can smoke anything, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. So is there something in particular that you like to like, what would be your favorite thing? Like, I'm a big pork butt guy. Like my wife got me those like claw rip apart thingies for uh, for Christmas and it changed my life. So, like, what's your favorite thing to uh, to barbecue? Well, it has to be wings. Wings, are like my like one of my all time favorite foods. And there's just something about a good when you get a nice crispy skin on the outside. If you rub, you have the right rub. You know, it's nice and um, salty and savory. Baste it in hot sauce, barbecue sauce, whatever you like. It's just something about a good smoked wing just hits home. Yeah, dude, I love wings. I have a little bit of a stomach thing where I can't take in the hot sauce, even though I love a good hot sauce. It's probably my oh, favorite yeah. thing. That's sad. I know it's a tra- it's, it's a tragic story. It really is. Um, but I, 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 I still love, I still love wings. Nonetheless, I love being on the grill. It's, it's, there's nothing better than a spring day. You fire up the grill, get the smoke going. You open up the, the, the grill grate and it just hits you in the face. That's like, that's my favorite thing, man. <laughs> it's it's so great. So being from a small town, you had mentioned being from a small town. And so, like I said, I'm not from a small town. And uh, I didn't grow up with as many small businesses. You know, like uh, like we went down this. Now I feel like there's more restaurants starting to pop up, or there were um, prior to 2020. There were more small businesses. And you had that rally around the the small the small businesses, right? I, I enjoy that. And it's there a little bit, but my wife is from a small town, which is the first time that I've gotten really introduced to what a true small town is like, where you walk into a store and they know your name kind of a thing where, mm-hmm. and you being from a small town, did that help with your, your journeys of entrepreneurship and, and the, your support circles you had mentioned being, being in Facebook groups as well. Did being from a small town, did that help you in certain aspects? It gives you a deeper seated appreciation of what it is to be a small business. It really does. And it also helps teach you those dynamics. You know, it's I'm a firm believer that you should take away something from every experience in life, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. All information is good information. Anytime that there can be growth, whether again, whether it be from positive or negative, you know, that's just something that's you have to be able to learn from. And that's very crucial and important. Um, 
the smaller businesses in smaller towns, you know, they show you that dynamic. Just like you said, they make you feel at home. And that's, it's a good feeling. You know, when you go in and you, you made, you're made you feel personal. That's why the hospitality industry is so special. It's you're paying for the, obviously the food, but the ambiance too, you know, you go in and you feel important because they, they, you know, they, they recognize you by name and they make you feel like you're at home. It's a good feeling. Yeah. So I think that, you know, in being in growing up in these small towns, yeah, it really did help me understand a lot more of those dynamics of the business aspects. Yeah, understanding that just saying hi to somebody goes a long way. I, I feel like that's lost in today's people that are doing business. Sometimes they lose the human aspect of it. You know, we're in that we're in a world now where it's a lot of automation and which my business specializes in automation. But I always tell people that, Automation shouldn't replace human. It should be there to enhance human interaction. Like it shouldn't be you send this automation so that you don't have to communicate with your customer or client. Like it shouldn't be that. It should be an automation to like help remind you to do certain things or whatever. And I feel like that human element is lost in a lot of businesses these days. And those who understand that and being from the hospitality industry, you know how important it is like when a chef comes out to talk to a table, I feel like that's like the coolest thing. It's like, you just ate this amazing food. You just like had this experience, this ambiance, you the greeters and everything. And then the chef comes out and is like, Hey, I'm the guy who just put together that. I mean, like I, that's one of my favorite things about, about the hospitality industry. And I feel like coming from the hospitality industry and from the restaurant business, you understand the importance of human interaction and somebody's experience to food, where they're sitting, you know, a date night, whatever it is. And so taking that and bringing that into your personal brand, how much did understanding the hospitality industry? Yes, you're from the hospitality industry and you're still going into being a, a, a personal chef. You're still around the food, but the experience of somebody, did you take that into other aspects of your business? Oh, absolutely. Um, restaurants teach you so much. You really do. It's a firm believer. Everybody should spend at least a year in a restaurant. Um, you don't realize how much there is to take away from it. Um, how much growth there is in there. It's not just about cooking food. You know, it's about so much more. Anybody can be a great cook. It doesn't, you know, it, it does take a lot of training, but anybody can be a really good cook. It's about being able to bring all those pieces together. All those cogs need to run in this fashion that makes the machine, the greater whole work. And that's what's important. And I think that understanding these businesses and working so closely with those aspects has definitely provided a lot of education and, you know, a lot of stuff that you would pay thousands for to go to school to learn and being so close to it, you get your hands on experience and you get to learn about these things, you get to understand what it is to have like your tax ID number, you get to understand what it is to go into your own LLC. And, you know, you take away a lot from these things, you know, hands, you can't, put a price on the education you learn from hands-on experience. You really can't. And I think um, it was Mike Rowe, he says it best too. He says, you know, learning trades and stuff like that. It's, it's very, it's, it's a great thing to do because it's always, there is always going to be a need now, whether it be in the way that it was 20 years ago, it remains to be seen, but it will be a need. It'll evolve and you'll be somewhere different, but it'll still be that basic inner need that you worked with. So, yeah. 
Dude, I, I am so glad that you said that, that you believe that everybody should enter into the restaurant business or do a year in the restaurant. I've told my kids that for as long as I can remember. So I, I was a server out of college. That was one of the first jobs that I had was I was a server and uh, served for a couple different uh, restaurants around the area. And the amount of lessons that I learned from waiting tables, uh, from teamwork to l- details matter, uh, from just communication and the interactions that you have with one another, just introducing yourself the way that you carry yourself, everything about the restaurant industry and just the presentation, you know. So one thing that I still do that I took from that is um, presentation in terms of so for for my my servers out there and those who have who have been through the restaurant industry, you know that when you're giving somebody their plate, the protein. Is the is the star right? Unless I, unless things have changed since I've been a server, but the the protein was the star, right? When you put a plate down, the protein faces that. Is that still how it is? Yeah, it's what you spoke. There's, I have gripes about the restaurant industry. Unfortunately, there's been I feel as though some people have become a little more entitled in there and they don't care as much about the actual care. Now that doesn't happen. Fortunately, a restaurant that I work at, that doesn't even come close to happen. Like I said, our executive chef's phenomenal and the wait staff that we have is just unbelievable. But that's, that's something that should happen. And you don't realize those little things, those little bits of detail that go from just a good experience where we'll probably be back to, this is an outstanding experience and I'm going to come here all the time. Yeah. And that's a, that is like a fine line. Like it, it could be the lit, just a tiniest little thing. And, and that's what, that is a huge thing that I learned from the restaurant industry was, you know, getting under and, and picking things up from underneath the table, getting things from the table. Like, just like if somebody takes their straw out and puts the little thing on the table, grabbing those straw pieces, it's like the little things, the details matter. And I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought up that people should do a year at least. And it, cause I tell my kids that all the time, man. Like, I feel like the lessons learned there are amazing. And so those little details matter lessons. What are some other um, strategy that you, that are, you're starting to implement? It could be from your uh, restaurant career or not, but what are some things that you've used in, in building your personal brand now, breaking away from uh, the brick and mortar? It's all about the customer service experience. Bottom line, it doesn't matter. You, you can have a great product. If you can't deliver on the customer service aspect of it, then it doesn't, then you're just, you have a great product and that's, you can't deliver in hundred percent totality. And that's what I've really taken away from this is just understanding your customer base, understanding what it is that they want. And, you know, also understanding what the market is. You know, you have to be, something different because you know you can obviously go to a hundred different restaurants and it's all pretty much the same thing you know but what do you do that's different what do you offer that's unique that i can't get from this from a b c or d what makes this something that's special and that's other like you know just the way that you can evolve and grow that's another area that i've taken away from all this years in the restaurant industry um, you know, I've, I guess I've been doing this now, it's actually been 18 years. I started when I was 13 years old, um, as a dishwasher in a pizza shop. Um, wow. 
worked fast food restaurants, all sorts of stuff, but I've been doing it for a very long time now. And I've seen it grow from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And, you know, having been there, you get to be up close and personal with it and you get to learn and understand it. So there's a lot to take away from it. Absolutely. The restaurant industry has, you know, it's given birth to knowledge needed to implement successful tactics that are crucial and important to growing your own business. Absolutely. So let's get into, I'm going to run down, I'm going to do a questionnaire for you. And I know I didn't prep you for this before the show. So apologies. Best way to do it. Yeah, man. So we're going to go over your favorite foods and I'm going to give you a this or that. And I need you to just go with your gut (laughs) to use a pun there. Um, (laughs) All right. So first up, we're going to do uh, pizza or tacos. You might as well just ask me which one is my favorite kid. That's why this is hard, right? Yeah, I know. I guess I would have to say pizza because uh, taco pizza is still technically pizza. Okay. That's you. That is innovative right there. (laughs) But I want you to know that was really a horrible. I hope not. I hope the rest of these aren't as bad. I know nothing like having to choose your favorite child. Right. So, all right. So, uh, fried, (laughs) (laughs) fried food or sushi. Sushi is amazing, but so is fried food. But sushi is amazing. I'll try to make them easier. I'm going to hit the technicality on it. I'm going to go with sushi. I'm going to go with fried food only because some sushi can be fried. That's good. Good. See, you're getting that's innovative with these for sure. I love sushi. I, that, listen, I just want to shout out sushi. I love sushi. I will eat sushi every second of every day. Doesn't matter what time. Sushi is outstanding. Yes. Dude, me too. I All right. I, I will eat sushi any breakfast, lunch, dinner. It doesn't matter. I could be having the worst day, worst stomach ache. I want sushi. Uh, that's my favorite. So this might be a layup then. Uh, seafood or Italian, like Italian food pasta? Seafood. Me too, man. Seafood. I've, I've, listen, I, I actually, I worked in an Italian restaurant for about six, seven years. Um, so I love Italian food. Don't get me wrong. I love pizza, strombolis, um, mm-hmm. pasta, all sorts of stuff. But seafood, you just, you can't beat fresh seafood. I mean, we're from the coast. We get it. Yeah, right. I'm a big crab. I grew up crabbing, so I'm I'm big on crabs, blue crabs, and really any kind of cra- anything that comes out of the sea. I'll eat it. To be co- to be <laughs> god cool. honest with you, um, I remember eating mussels and like clams and stuff like that. And other people would be like so weirded out by it. And I'm like, nah, just give it to me. It's, I, the best. it's delicious. So it is. It is <laughs> so good. So good. I could eat. I could literally just sit there and eat mussels by the. I have eaten mussels by the pound and just. You don't get full. You don't get full. I don't care what anybody says. You don't get full. Amazing. So, all right. So, um, I know these are kind of the same, but would you rather grill or smoke? Smoke. Smoke. Me too. Yeah. Smoke. And, smoke. and so, of all the different, so I'm going to give you a couple, a couple uh, areas of food, right? Like, so Mediterranean, uh, Italian, Cuban, or like that kind of. You know, Cuban flair, you know, like uh, that, that sort of a thing or traditional American like burgers and ribs and stuff like that. Of that, do you have a do you have a particular 
genre of food that you like more than others? It can be any of the ones that I didn't name, of course. Oh, I was going to say, if you're you're asking me to pick from the ones you picked, I'm going to go Cuban first always because Cuban food is absolutely and utterly delicious. If you haven't had Cuban food, you need to go have Cuban food because until you've had it, there's just, it's unreal. Um, Honestly, Hispanic style cuisine, I'm fascinated by absolutely utterly enamored by it i think that the principles in traditional hispanic cuisine are just they're they're amazing you know it's all fresh ingredients it's really centered around fresh proteins um you can't beat that at all and like that's for me that's top dog always gonna be top i'm with you man i love cuban food i grew up my best friends growing up were cuban and Anytime that I was able to eat dinner at their house, sometimes I would like play it out right where it was like, I'm going to like just stay a little bit longer so that I know that I'm infringing on your dinner time so I can get some mm-hmm. bomb Cuban food. So good. Oh my God. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, you buy some foods, are you kidding me? Yeah. People don't, people don't understand. They don't know. Don't. No, they don't. You haven't had pork until you had it made by a, Cuban, by a Cuban mom in a little kitchen. I'm telling you right now. It just hits different. Can't explain it until you experience it. Absolutely, man. So, all right. Are you a, um, are you a breakfast food guy? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. I lo- listen. Ron Swanson said it best. I'm a yes. simple man. I like dark hair woman and breakfast foods. <laughs> I, love, I love the Ron Swanson bowl. Uh, I love the, 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 the picture that he has hanging up where it's just the, he takes it down when, uh, and he just, and just hangs breakfast food. It's like one of my favorite scenes in, uh, in that whole series. So in breakfast foods, is it, uh, waffles or pancakes? That's depends on that. Depends on the mood. Cause I mean, a nice, delicious, crispy, fresh waffle, hot out of the press. Can't beat that. But sometimes, sometimes you just want those. I mean, let's, if, if I have, if I have, uh, if I was out for the night, I'll probably want pancakes more. Just something to uh, soak up the bad decisions of the night before. <laughs> but normally, I'll go with waffles just because it's lighter, it's airy, they're crispy, and you don't get as full, but they're still very delicious. Yeah. And and you can make waffle sandwiches. Wow, that's a great pull. I I am a big chicken and waffles guy. I do love waffles. I feel like waffles are more versatile. I feel like I could make little pockets of fun in there, you know, in each little each little guy. Another breakfast food that I was going to uh, that I was going to throw in there, but it's crepes. I'm a big crepe guy. He doesn't love crepes. I, I they're amazing, and you can just throw. I love the. There's a place in Ocean City that my wife and family go to, and they'll just throw anything on top of crepes. They're like, "You want some crepes? That in itself is breakfast." But we're gonna throw like three other breakfast things on top of your crepes to make this giant castle of of crepes. Love crepes, my favorite thing. Well, man, it's so good, dude. Dude, I I appreciate you so much for coming on. And so, how can people learn more about what you're doing over there? Maybe hire hire you to just just completely blow their minds with with a with some food, and uh, how can they get in touch with you? So we actually just launched thechefdrew.com. Um, thanks to uh, large in part, I believe you have a hand in offering the web hosting to that. I really appreciate that as well. Um, Game Plan Digital was a digital marketing firm that I hired a friend of mine from the small town that I grew up in reached out to me and said, hey, I offer these services. I want to work with you because I believe in giving back into the town that we came from. And quite frankly, that's exactly where I'm at. 
to be invested into the growth of the towns that you're from. I think it's so crucial to support where you're from. So we launched thechefdrew.com. Um, it has direct links to all of my social media pages, my Instagram and stuff. You can actually request an email. Uh, we request your email. You sign up there. There's ways to be able to uh, reach out to me, pay attention to the uh, website because it will be growing as we've launched it. Um, there will be offers about what we have coming up in the next couple of months. There's going to be a lot of um, meet and greets and doing potential shows with other reality TV stars, my fellow house kitchen chefs as well. Some um, local TV personalities too. Um, there's a cookbook in the works, a belt line. If you've seen hell's kitchen is 100% in the works. So the come check it out. It's uh it's pretty nice stuff. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. And uh yeah, chefdrew.com guys. Dude, I was on there this morning. Uh I, I I've been going on there about once a day, not only to make sure that it that it's still up and running and that my hosting is is uh is doing what it's supposed to, but because you have some pictures of food on there that I am grown I'm like grabbing inspiration from. There's a is it a panini on there? Is that a panini sandwich? Is that what it is? Some sort of like chickeny like oh, press type of thing. Oh, let, me, let me tell you about that. That was awesome. I got this pork tenderloin and I marinated it for 24 hours. And then I just took it and I seared it. Like I did a reverse sear in my oven until it reached uh, about a little bit under medium, like a hair under medium, pulled it out, let it rest. I sliced it paper thin. When I tell you that I could have taken a spoon and sliced this, it was so juicy and tender. So we sliced it paper thin and I made a, my version of a Cuban sandwich. It has a nice little uh, crunchy bread there. It has the uh, pickles, the mustard, the mayo, the uh, smoked ham, a little bit of cheese on there. I just, I love Cubans. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. Cubans are my favorite, man. They're so good. I don't, how can you, it's just, it's everything in a sandwich that needs to be, you have your savory, you have your sweet, you have your acid, you have your textural crunch, you know, every salty, everything balances in a Cuban sandwich. So good. And one more question before we get out of here that I, that I didn't ask you and I, and I would feel like a complete and total jackass if I didn't ask you. So the Super Bowl uh, was yesterday, which to anyone who was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan and a Chiefs fan meant a football game, but right. to, uh, to everybody else in America meant that we got to cook up some foods so what was on uh, what was on the dinner plate or dinner table or lunch or just all day eats of uh, of Chef Drew? I worked uh, Sunday morning uh, brunch service at Arts Farm where I work at, and then I came home and I actually made meatballs uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days before because it takes about I'm talking scratch sauce um, meatballs with ground pork and ground beef. My own mixture. It takes about 24 hours to get it all together because you got to cook the meatballs, you got to cook the sauce, then you got to cook the sauce in the meatballs. So we did meatball subs, we did chips and queso, we did um, four different kinds of wings because I mean it's Super Bowl Sunday, you got to have wings. We did a uh, honey garlic, a stained honey garlic wing, traditional buffalo um, barbecue, and then a dry rub. Um, it's actually a brand named Sola Seasoning. They're based out in Florida. It's a it's a it's a uh, Cajun rub. 
I've sworn by Chef Paul Bordone's Red Magic my whole life until I tried this seasoning. And I was like, listen, this is the first time in my life that I have ever said there's something better. So we did that, too. And then uh, desserts, too. My daughter's made an awesome pudding pie. Mm-hmm. Um, we had white pies, you know, chips, dips, pretty much nothing, not a bit, not a vegetable in sight. It's <laughs> an right. unhealthy day that could ever exist. So that was, yeah. That's what you need, though. Super Bowl, man. You get it it a few days a year. You get to really just soak in on the uh, on the non vegetables. The only vegetable I feel like is that's allowed at a Super Bowl party is a celery stick. And and you're really only doing it to dip it in the blue cheese in between wing bites. It's a vessel for dressing. Right. That's all it is. Well, dude, I, I I enjoyed this conversation very much. I appreciate you very much for coming on the show and keep it up, man. Like. I, I love seeing the food. I'm a I am I don't know if I'm a foodie or what, but I enjoy looking at food on the internet and then and then burning ramen noodles. So thank you so much for <laughs> what you're doing, man. I uh, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Um, I appreciate what you were doing as doing as well. I mean, without you, this website really wouldn't exist. So I appreciate that. And you know, thanks for having me. I'd love to uh, come back and talk sometime about all the other fun stuff that's going to be happening here in the next couple months. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Uh, maybe we'll have like maybe we'll be allowed to like see each other and just we'll do the show while eating wings and just doing just eating because I, I that, feel like that's the way to do it. That's that's the one. That's the one. So there, there is there, that is the way. There, <laughs> that is the way. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Innovari Podcast. You can listen to all episodes at InnovariPodcast.com, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever your podcasts are found. If you enjoy watching podcasts, check us out on YouTube for a visual behind-the-scenes look at all Innovari Podcast episodes. We have recently released a community of entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Innovari Mindset. That's Innovare Mindset to join the private group of entrepreneurs changing the world. Until next time, guys. See ya.